I'd love to welcome everyone to this week's Citizens Climate University. It's a weekly webinar program of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Cease, and tonight's topic is an important one, diverse and equitable outreach in your chapter. We're gonna be joined by Danielle White, one of CCL's National Chapter Development Team members for training that reviews the foundations and building blocks for a CCL chapter culture that's healthy and inclusive. Danielle is going to review how to foster healthy and inclusive chapter environments, cultivate chapter cultures that keep volunteers of all backgrounds engaged locally, as well as how to conduct equitable outreach during your chapter's events. And if you're interested, again, on the slide, as well as in the chat, we've put a link where you can follow along with us at cclusa.org forward slash diverse dash equitable dash outreach. So with that, let's find out a little bit more about Danielle, and then I'll pass it to her to take the reins for the rest of the night. Let me introduce you to our amazing speaker. Danielle White is a sophomore at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Danielle has shared in her entire CCL experience that it's been a testament to the power of onboarding done right. Starting in 2019, her first introduction to CCL began with a genuine interest in humanity and relationship building. Because of this warm, welcoming interaction, she now serves as the National Chapter Development Intern. Her work focuses on utilizing calls and texts to maintain and increase attendance at local chapter meetings nationwide. And in line with her other responsibilities, Danielle started this passion project centered around equitable onboarding outreach and engagement practices so that chapters nationwide can really learn from each other as well as what she's going to share tonight and reflect on their unique diverse communities as they rally around the shared goal of addressing the climate crisis. With that, though, I will pass it to you, Danielle. We are so grateful for all of you joining us tonight. You're in for a real treat, and the floor is yours. All right. Thank you, Brett, for such a lovely, warm welcome. And I want to tell you all that there are three main points that I will cover tonight to get you all situated to soak in the most knowledge you can from tonight's presentation. So first and foremost, I will be sharing what it means to conduct equitable outreach, the how-to. Then I will speak to what it means to foster healthy and inclusive chapter environments, the ins and outs, all that you need to know in order to put these words into action. And last but not least, I will be letting you know how to cultivate chapter cultures that engage for the long term. Again, our goal is to create CCL volunteers that are with us for a long time. CCL chapter volunteers that just can't get enough. And if you're able to follow these skills, not only will you do that, but you will create a chapter environment that is so healthy and inclusive that folks will tell their friends to tell their friends all about it. Now we're speaking to the workshop learning outcomes. From those three main points, these are the key takeaways that I want you to have. I want you to come away with effective tools for connection, ideas to implement, and a sense of community across chapters. Not only are you here to learn from me, but I want you to be here to learn from one another. This is a community-based environment on tonight's Zoom call, so I want you to feel free to ask questions of your peers, to ask for clarification, to share insights, to share ideas, because we build each other up by being together and by learning from one another. So. To get started, I want you all to have a few baseline definitions of outreach, onboarding, and then of engagement. First, to define outreach, 
This is the basic form of reaching out, reaching out and inviting someone to join you in CCL, saying, hey, would you be interested in our chapter? And then when you hear that, yes, we'll move on to what it means to onboard and engage. But outreach is asking that initial question the join us, the are you interested in Citizens Climate Lobby? I know you've all done that before, so you are already doing outreach, and now it's just a matter of ensuring that it is equitable and diverse and engaging. So next, we move to onboarding. After we hear our response to the first question of, hey, Danielle, are you interested in Citizens Climate Lobby? We move on to onboarding. Onboarding is showing someone the outlets that they can access so that they can succeed in their chapter, so that their skills, talents, and strengths can really shine in a space so that they feel as though they are a contributing factor, that they are much more than a volunteer, that they are a gear that continues to keep the machine turning. So when we better understand onboarding and when onboarding is done right, we shift to engagement. Engagement is folks who are in love with CCL, folks who have the heart eyes for CCL and they want to get involved in every way possible. Again, we don't just want volunteers, we want active members. We want folks who are deeply invested in the mission of CCL and in the mission of your chapter and the ways in which you're carrying out CCL's overall national mission. So folks who are sticking around and feeling seen. As Brett mentioned in my personal impact statement, I was onboarding so well that I wanted to engage. And that's why I'm here with you all tonight. Once onboarding is done right, to make someone feel welcome and seen, their engagement levels will simply feel as though they belong. They're engaging in a way that speaks to how they were onboarded. So in this sense, the model is cyclical. Outreach to onboarding to engagement, because folks who are engaged are going to be doing outreach in their in their own ways. They're going to be turning to their peers, family, loved ones and saying, hey, CCL makes me feel so welcome and empowered and I think it would make you feel the exact same way. So let's move on to the analogy that I use in the sense of diversity, equity and inclusion. We have our baseline definitions of outreach, onboarding, engagement, and now we're shifting to begin to examine the DEI work. So, I'd like to invite you all to a dinner party. Over in the East Coast, it's just around dinner time, so this is a perfect time for you to accept my invite. And we're now speaking to diversity. Diversity is looking at who have I invited? Who is in the space? Is there a variation of identities, lived and learned experiences? Again, it's quite literally asking who's at the table? Next, we move to equity. Then we ask folks, is everyone being served to meet their needs? Not what we assume their needs to meet, needs to be, it's what their needs actually are. So if I am having an equitable dinner party, I am, in the context of this food-based analogy, I'm respecting folks' dietary restrictions. If I know there are vegetarians at the table, that means there's vegetarian options. If I know there are gluten-free persons at the table, that means there are gluten-free options. Again, we are meeting folks to what their needs are, not what we assume them to be. Again, because if you make the assumption that everyone will eat meat at the table, that's not necessarily equitable. That is simply, it's equal. Everyone has some food, but that might not be the food they actually need to serve their body. And next, and last but not least, we move on to inclusion. 
and inclusion asks, is the dinner party accessible? We're thinking about our invitations. Were they sent out in a language that's accessible to multiple persons, persons who perhaps English isn't their preferred language of engagement? When we think of time, can we pick a time that's perhaps a prayer time or a time when many folks are at work? Our date, does it fall on a religious or cultural holiday? Are we thinking much wider than what would be inclusive for ourselves and opening our minds to what would be inclusive for the persons around us? And this is also asking, does everyone have a seat at the table? Within inclusion, there's also the aspect of belonging, which I will touch on a little bit later in this presentation. But for now, we really have to think, does everyone have a seat at the table? One of my favorite quotes is from Shirley Chris Holm. And she says, if they don't give you a, a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Make yourself a space at the table. When we're aware of this cultural context for many individuals with diverse identities, this awareness will really shape how we engage with our chapter. Bringing the folding chair to the table is a lived experience for a lot of folks with diverse identities. I know in my personal experience, having to carve out a space for myself is something that has become a norm for me. That is why when we have the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion, as we go about functioning our chapter, we're able to have the awareness that let's make our chapter a space where diverse individuals do not have to carve out a space for them because this space is already there. A seat is already provided or there are no seats at all and folks are sitting on the floor where anyone can join and we're simply expanding our circle. Again, one brief note is that diversity, equity, and inclusion does not always have to be in that order. You can think about inclusion first, equity first, diversity first, whatever your preference is, but all that matters is that you're thinking of these virtues. And now we'll shift to discussing the you in outreach. Remembering back to the top of our pyramid, we had outreach to onboarding to engagement. So when we think about the you and outreach, we're thinking about cross-cultural engagement, engaging, engaging across cultures in a way that serves the cultures we want to engage with. So I would like to take you all to English class and we'll go with the who, what, where, when, why, and how of cross-cultural engagement. So first we have our who. Who are we trying to reach? What populations are we trying to engage with? Are we looking for more BIPOC folk? Are we looking for more youth? Are we looking for more folks from a certain political affiliation? Who are we looking for? When we have a strong understanding of our who, then we have a better understanding of how we engage with the other questions we're asking ourselves when we do cross-cultural engagement. Next, we have the what. What methods are we using? Are we sending out emails? Are we cabling live in-person at events? When we think about what methods we are using, we are again thinking in a way that serves the population we are trying to reach out to. If I am trying to reach a certain population and I'm only posting on Instagram and Twitter to promote, perhaps this might not be the method that will truly engage with the population I want to engage with the most. Next, we move to where. Where are we conducting our outreach? I think each and every one of these questions is incredibly important. And I also think where has one of the most actionable aspects to it. It is quite literally asking ourselves where we are in 
anchoring, what spaces we are anchoring in order to engage with the desired population we want to speak to. So if we're looking to engage in youth populations, our where should be at centers where youth are. Maybe we're tabling at high schools. Maybe we're tabling at local fairs or events where we know a, young, a lot of young people are. Likewise, if we're looking for BIPOC populations, perhaps we're engaging with BIPOC populations at cultural events, at cultural celebrations. Again, our where is thinking about where are we conducting our outreach and is that space where we will meet the group and population that we are trying to reach out to? So taking a moment to look what's in the community and where do I want to engage to reach the population I'd like to engage with. Next, we move to how. How are we engaging cross-culturally? And when we're able to look at our communities, we're able to look at who we want to reach out to, we're asking ourselves, how can I engage with you? How can we work with you? Not how can you work with us? That is a question that someone you're engaging with might ask, but hopefully you have beat them to it by asking, how can we work with you? So we've covered who, what, where, how, and now we've reached our why. When we think about our why, we're asking ourselves, what are we doing this work for? Why are we seeking to engage with these populations? And I employ you to reflect on your answer to that question now. Why do you want to do this outreach? Why are you interested in diverse and equitable outreach? That is something you can feel free to share in the chat, or there will be spaces to share about that later on as well. But as we scan here, we've covered who, what, where, how, and why. As I mentioned previously, when is our cyclar, cyclical question? We should constantly be asking ourselves after reflecting on the current status of our chapter, how often are we engaging cross-culturally? Are we looking within our chapter to ask ourselves, when we're aligned with our mission, how are we acting upon it? How often are we engaging with the persons that and the populations that we ought to reach, the diverse populations, the populations that we want to serve equitably? After we have conducted cross-cultural engagement, there is still so much more to do. We're imagining a world where we've answered all of these questions successfully. We figured out who we want to reach out to. We used methods that met them where they are. We conducted our outreach in spaces where these populations are thriving in. We ask ourselves, how can we work with you to uplift the talents and creativity and innovation of the populations we're connecting with? We've asked ourselves why we're doing this work and we've constantly created the practice of checking ourselves on how often are we engaging cross-culturally? We've answered all these questions. We have, we have engaged with the population we wanted to. So now we shift to asking ourselves, what's next? What does cross-cultural mean? My definition of cross-cultural is across cultures. It means connecting with diverse persons from cultures different than ourselves. And this is however you like to define culture. I would define one of the cultures I'm connected with is youth culture. So if I want to conduct outreach that is diverse and equitable, that means conducting outreach outside of my generation, outside of the persons that are akin to the communities that I'm already in, reaching beyond. So I'd like you all to 
think about the words welcome and then nurture. From the Merriam-Webster dictionary, welcome is a verb. That means it's an action. And it means to greet hospitably or with courtesy or cordiality. Second, it also means to accept with pleasure the occurrence or presence of. We'll be focusing on that first definition primarily when we think of welcome in this context. So again, welcome is that welcome to Singa Sing's climate lobby. Next, we shift to nurture, which is also a verb and it can be defined as to supply with nourishment or to further the development of. I really like folks to center in on the first and third definition of nurture. Again, in the chapter context, to supply with nourishment is to meet the needs of the chapter volunteers that you want to engage with and create a healthy cycle of prolonged engagement with. Likewise, your chapter is hopefully a space that nurtures the talents, abilities, creativity, and innovation. I know what that's, that is what my chapter did for me that enabled me to be in this space. So, we wanna make sure that our chapters aren't static, they're dynamic, they're evolving. Folks are coming in with their skill sets and really able to dive in deeper. And now that you've gotten the dictionary definitions of welcome and nurture, I would like to share another analogy with you. I'd like you to think of a blank room. It is completely empty. I'll give you a second to imagine that in your mind. So, that room is mine and I'm happy to welcome you into it. I've opened the door to my blank room and I'm happy to welcome you in. Then I close the door and leave you there. I have welcomed you. That should mean I've done enough, correct? When we go beyond welcoming, which is again, just welcoming someone into a empty room within this analogy, or in a similar analogy, if I were to invite you to a social engagement and I welcomed you in the door, but didn't introduce you to anyone else there. Yes, I did welcome you, but I didn't actually nurture you in this space. So when we think into our blank room analogy, nurturing is at me asking you, what do you need in this space? Would you like a fridge? Would you like a sofa? Would you like a recliner? Do you need water? Would you like open windows or closed windows? What paint should we use? It's creating the space that you will thrive in. Because again, you could very well survive in my empty room. You'll have your basic necessities, but it's going beyond survival to making sure that our chapter members are thriving. Again, we don't just want volunteers. We want engaged and active chapter volunteers who are more than excited to be a part of something larger than themselves. So when I welcome you into this room, that is my starting point. I want to nurture you in this space so you have everything that you need in order to thrive. I want you all to take a moment to reflect on your current practices. What are your current practices? How are you welcoming folks? How are you nurturing newcomers? What current practices are you doing? If you feel as though you don't have any current practices, that is a-okay. This is your space to again learn from one another. But I will also share with you some examples. So not only will you learn from your peers, but I will provide some concrete examples that you can do after you hop off this call. Feel free to place your response of how you're engaging with newcomers in the chat.
our first response is we send them a text shortly after we get them on our roster notice to welcome them. Again, one text can go oh so far when it comes to making someone feel as though they belong. Again, nurturing and belonging are deeply intertwined. When we nurture folks, they feel as though they belong in a space. And when folks feel as though they belong, that is because they have been nurtured. So this is where we're able to really engage with the virtue of belonging. That text makes me feel invited. We have another comment that says, introducing myself and giving them an opportunity to introduce themselves. Again, a lot of this work goes back to our basic human engagement skills. When we meet a new friend, of course we introduce ourselves and ask them to do the same. So in a chapter setting, that is what we ought to do when it comes to really making sure we're engaging with newcomers. Again, newcomers are not just another number to add to your roster. They're dynamic human beings that have a passion of interests and a passion of reasons why they wanted to engage with CCL and specifically your chapter. Next, we have someone mentioned, we have an onboarding team who welcomes and tries to engage new members, new volunteers and chapter activities. Again, one of the first things that CCL asked me to do was a action item. I met CCL way back in June of 2019. And one of the first things I was asked to do was join them for the November conference. I was asked verbatim, would you like to go to DC? That was the question that made me feel like I could be a part of something larger than myself. I immediately felt engaged and it gave me a tangible action item to look forward to. Now, you don't have to ask your chapter members to go to DC with you as well, but asking them to join you for your chapter hike, your chapter book club, Zoom call, or just a cup of tea or coffee is exactly what we need to make new volunteers feel welcome. Kaylee says, when I do welcome calls, I like to ask open questions and let them guide the conversation. Then I connect them with local volunteers who are skilled in their interests to mentor them. Again, connecting our newcomers with our experienced volunteers is a great way to not only form interpersonal relationships, but for circular learning to happen. Not only can those experienced volunteers teach their newcomers a thing or two about the chapter, but with those fresh set of eyes, newcomers can share what they'd like to bring to the chapter as well. Teresa says, we're following the recommendation of the onboarding team of sending a short email asking if they have 30 minutes for our calls. Then we follow up in various ways. I really like the various ways aspect of that comment because again, we're meeting folks where they are, meeting them at the needs that thrive and connect with their passions, skills, and talents. Next we have, when we have our chapter meetings, we save time at the beginning for everyone to slow down and share who they are. And a new connecting question, like what's your favorite activity for summer, favorite TV show, book, etc. That is absolutely lovely. Again, taking time to slow down before we dive into our fruitful meeting agendas, taking a moment to directly connect and again, connect with the humanity of our new volunteers. And let's see, just a few more before we move on. Make sure to let people have the chance to explore all the roles they have available to them and then select what excites them the most. That is excellent as well when we're able to connect to the passions, interests, skills, and talents. That's what folks, that's what can make folks feel as though they have a role in your chapter. 
that is directly connected to engagement, giving folks that seat, that space that is especially curated for them is incredibly vital. So I'd like folks to quickly debrief and ask themselves, how did that activity feel? Was there anything that they noticed that they really felt as though they'd like to implement in their chapter? New learnings, new findings. Was there anything that you read or that you heard me read out that inspired you or that you're already doing? Because this is also a space for us to acknowledge the hard work we're already putting in. Thank you so much for sharing how a learning you found from another participant has inspired you. When we think about open-ended questions, that is our space to let our newcomers truly share what CCL means to them and share comprehensively. As opposed to asking, are you interested in a leadership role or interested in writing op-eds? We're able to say, what are you interested in? As opposed to a close-ended question of, do you prefer to give presentations or do you prefer to be behind the scenes? Asking folks, what actionable items would you like to take within the context of this chapter? So thank you all for sharing and debriefing with me. We'll now shift to a mini pop quiz. Don't worry, you're not being graded. This is your tool for self-reflection on the current state of your chapter, as you've already done through our whiteboard feature, we're just moving to a set of reflective questions that you can hopefully engage in with your chapter for days, months, and years to come. So when we think about culture building, we have to think about our guiding questions. First, are our chapter values clear amongst new and longtime members? Are our chapter values clear amongst new and longtime members? Is our chapter clear on what we stand for, what we don't stand for, and protocols for when imperfection arises? Thinking back all the way to our room analogy, we created a room that nurtured. And again, perhaps this room might not be perfect. Folks, their needs, interests, passions change. And our goal is not to be perfect, but to, to be prepared to interact and engage with imperfection. So in our new brand new room, perhaps there's a leak. As opposed to fretting and worrying, our job is to make sure that we have prepared ourselves with the tools to address when problems arise. And that is something we can do when our values are clear. If we're clear on what to do when it comes to engaging and onboarding new volunteers, we're able to navigate and truly move with the fluidity of the human beings that are our volunteers. Next, and directly connecting to when imperfection arises, what support systems are in place? What are our support systems when the room begins to leak on a rainy day? What are our support systems and what are our channels that we have for folks to ask for support, to ask for help, to say, this leadership role met my needs for the past month. However, I'm ready to try something new. And if there are no support systems in place, what initiatives are in the works? What initiatives are we currently building, developing, whether that is an internal DEI committee, whether those are initiatives such as a Google form for folks to ask for help, to ask for insights, what initiatives do we have in the works? And hopefully, from what we shared in our community whiteboard, you all are inspired to take some of the initiatives that are already being done 
And since one of our goals tonight is to build that sense of community, to reach out beyond chapter borders and saying, hey, I've heard your chapter is doing X, Y, and Z, and I'd like to begin to do that as well. How did you do it? And last but not least, if you're able to answer the first two questions, the answer to this question is likely a yes. Do all members feel empowered to share their voice? Empowerment looks different for many different persons. And what matters is that we have the channels to empower and hear the voices of the chapter members we want to engage with. So maybe this empowerment looks to one volunteer as saying, I really like this event and now I want to host it and giving them the support there. Or perhaps we have the channels to share grievances, to share frustrations, and to be willing to be adaptable and ready to learn and navigate newness. Again, we're not striving for perfection. We're striving to have the tools to navigate all the ups and downs, the imperfection and the perfection. And last but not least, it's our acknowledgement that engagement is a daily practice, a daily drumbeat of small actions that can create a large impact. So with all that we've established thus far, everything here in this presentation is very cyclical. It is a cycle. One step to another step, returning to our first step all over again, constantly reflecting, constantly being open to growth and change, remembering our chapters are dynamic and so are we, so we are more than equipped to step up to the plate and interact with that dynamicism. So next, we'll move into DEI in our actual chapter context. So I'm very grateful that you were able to soak in my dinner party analogy. Now let's apply it directly to our chapter context. So first, we have diversity amongst chapter members. What identities and experiences are present among my chapter members? Again, we've honed on it before. When we're engaging cross-culturally, we're engaging beyond. We're reaching out further than our direct sphere of engagement to ensure that we have the connections and the facilities to ensure that every person with respect to their identity is able to thrive. Next, we ask ourselves again to reflect on equity. Are there resources, support systems, or tools for each chapter member to bring their fullest self? What tools are at hand and how are we constantly ensuring that those tools are still serving our volunteers in a way that honors them, that honors their identity, that honors their lived and learned experiences? And hopefully this is a collaborative experience of creating those resources, support systems, and tools. This is where we are again reminded that we are constantly learning from one another. I want folks to feel comfortable saying to newcomers, I value you, I value your talent, I value what you are bringing to the table. So how can I support you in supporting yourself within this chapter? What tools do you need? Hearing directly from our crowdsources, directly from our newcomers, what they need to thrive. You don't have to have it already all perfect, all set up. Again, referring to the room analogy, my room was empty, but I asked what was needed to create an inclusive, equitable space. So we move to inclusion where we ask ourselves, is my chapter environment enabling all members to flourish? 
Again, realizing that flourishing looks different for every single newcomer. So there's no way to standardize this, but there are ways to ensure that we are constantly aware and ready to make things more inclusive when need be. Because again, we want our chapter members to flourish, to not just feel as though they are another number on the roster, but instead an active participant in their journey to combating the climate crisis. So here are my ideas that I'd like you to implement if you're interested in really honing in on the concrete action items you need to take to ensure that your chapters are equitable spaces and you've laid the foundations in a way that is strong and able to support. First, we have the option of internal DEI trainings for group members. That connects directly to what I said of making sure not only are our newcomers aware of our values, but our experienced volunteers are aware of our values as well. There are endless resources out there to facilitate DEI trainings within your chapter. And perhaps you have a chapter member that is interested in hosting those DEI trainings. That is a great opportunity for you to lean on the skills of that are present in your chapter. Next, we can shift to thinking about a chapter DEI statement. Again, there are a plethora of resources out there of how to conduct a DEI statement, and I would urge you to treat this as a collaborative piece asking everyone in your chapter, what do you believe this statement needs to not only ensure that our values are clear, concise, and confident, but also knowing that we have a baseline of conduct within our chapter that we can adhere to when those times of imperfection arise. I know that I, with my identities that I hold, feel most comfortable when I'm able to enter and engage in a space where I know what the values are that I can be confident on the values being present inside each and, every, each and every chapter member. And last but not least, I would like folks to think about introducing action teams. Affinity spaces are a great way to make sure that your chapter members feel as though their identities that they hold and that they value are being affirmed. And perhaps your chapter demographic isn't something that is directly reflective of all the identities present in your community, but by knowing and sharing the, the action team resources, this is a great way to know and let your chapter members know that there are other spaces inside CCL for them to find affinity. For example, in my experience within the main chapter, there weren't that many folks under the age of 18 and I had joined when I was around 16. So I was directed towards the National Youth Acting Team to find my space for affinity. So again, your chapter doesn't have to be perfect. It does not have to have every single identity present in your community within it. That is something you can strive towards, but if that is not your lived reality, do not fear to lean on the action teams for folks to find that affinity and find those spaces. I am so grateful that you all are interested in connecting, learning more. And I'm really grateful for all the folks that ask questions, share comments and thoughts, and we'll move towards some of our last slides of the night. Thank you, Danielle. Yeah, I'll just jump in real quick um, with a review of some of the resources. If you are interested outside of the amazing information that Danielle has already shared on community that's available, and I'll drop a couple of these links in the chat here. Um, the biggest thing that I wanted to recommend is basically, <clears throat> if you're looking for specifically uh, diversity, equity, inclusion trainings, 
I would recommend in community just going directly to our search and using the keywords right there. So I've just used inclusion here. And obviously we have wonderful um, trainings and pages all about this. Um, for example, you know, this training page is going to be updated with the recording after Danielle presents it tonight, building more diverse and inclusive chapters. Um, you can also see we have an overall topic around this where we've got specific resources listed from our Spanish language resources or multicultural resources to anti-racism and allyship resources to this page that I'll show next, CCL's diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, we also have action teams and affinity groups like Danielle was mentioning. Um, and this wonderful page right here, just specifically on the diversity and inclusion efforts in CCL, I think does a really great job of highlighting not only how diversity and inclusion is woven into our values, our core values overall as an organization, but also what we offer in terms of training, in terms of those action teams, and in terms of community ambassadors, a role that if you're interested in finding out more for you or your volunteers, uh, you can definitely um, explore this page and get in touch with Karina, our diversity and inclusion director. You're also more than welcome to check out some of the recent news in our inclusion forums. And last and certainly not least, we have all this information on the onboarding action team too that's available for you with that critical intersection of the work that Danielle has been mentioning with onboarding. And I know that she is a core part of this team. So please feel free to check that out as well in the chat. I'll just drop a link to both the action team. I think I've actually already done that as well as the search page. If I just typed in inclusion where you can find all of that information at your disposal. So with that though, I promised you one hour of wisdom talking about our three main points, thinking of what does it mean to cultivate active, equitable outreach, foster healthy and inclusive chapter environments, and create cultures that create long-term engagement. Hopefully you feel as though you've come away with these learning outcomes and you're ready to act. Again, remembering that this is a cycle. We're focusing on those daily drum beats, those step-by-steps, to build and lay foundations that are strong and that are ready to support all of our dynamic chapter volunteers as we center ourselves towards the fight against the climate crisis. So if you all would like to reach me, my email is danielle.white, W-H-Y-T-E, at citizensclimatelobby.org, and I am more than happy to engage with you and create CCL chapters that speak to the diversity, equity, and inclusion that the climate crisis and the fight against it needs. So thank you all for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evenings. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.